we're recording. Apologies for the delivery scooter men revving outside my window. <laughs> this is Beyond the Pass, conversations with people from all walks of hospitality life. Centering mental health, Beyond the Pass is a conversation about life, hospitality, and what makes us get out of bed each day. Welcome back to Beyond the Past. I'm really thrilled today that we're talking with Hester Ruoff, who's an actor and a producer. She was most recently produced the BAFTA-nominated Hospitality Love Letter slash Nightmare. That was Boiling Point. Um, everyone I know in the industry has so many thoughts about this film, and we are so pleased to have her on the podcast. Can you just talk a bit about your background? How did you find yourself on the production side? So I, um, as you say, I've, I've been a, an actor for, for many, many years, and um I started making short films probably about five or so years ago. Um, and before that, I, I actually exec produced a movie called uh, Convenience, a British comedy uh, with Ray Panthaki and Adil Akhtar um, as the leads. And uh, it did very, very well. It won a, a Welsh BAFTA. And so that, I guess that was the start of me going, oh, wait a minute, I quite enjoy this side of things. And beautifully mentored by Ray Panthaki, actually. He's been amazing through my early, you know, early career and things. I kind of got a, got a taste for it. And I thought, wait, this is kind of good because as an actor, you, you can't, um, you, you have no control really over what comes your way. As a producer, you are the ones that are able to create and pull people together. And I love now being in a position where I can actually work with people that I find inspiring and also just help other people. Because no one, when I was younger, young actor, no one ever really helped me. And no, there was no one to sort of see me through that. And now I'm able to do that to lots of young actors. And I just think it's brilliant. And crew. So it's brilliant. So I, uh, I, I actually hired... Um, Philip Barantini on a short film that I produced called Spanish Pigeon just before he did his first feature which was called Villain and then I acted in Villain <laughs> so it's all very uh, yeah You're exactly treating each other and then Bart really. Spoli, who uh, is now my producing partner he produced Villain so then Phil said to me hey why don't you just why don't you get involved in Boiling Point like it would be amazing to have you produce that you should you should speak to Bart and I was like do you think he'd have me uh, <laughs> And then uh, that's pretty much how it all came about. And Bart, Bart and I chatted and he said, look, you know, you know, take, take the film, go do your thing. See, see, let's see if we can raise this money and get it made. And so we did and we did and we did. <laughs> and at that part of the process is that would you have been given a script and then read through the material and then sort of decided on. So Boiling Point was done in a very, very different way. Boiling Point was not scripted. Um, it was semi, uh, semi-scripted, I guess you could say. So it had um, story beats that had to be met, but then it was semi-improvised. So the actors who came on board, when we were even um, auditioning them, et cetera, we had to make sure that these guys really were able to have anything thrown at them and be able to to speak off the cuff and have no worries about that. We couldn't let somebody drop the ball because they got nervous or felt, oh, sugar, that wasn't the line that was meant to have been said. Because it wasn't the same. There was no single take that was the same. I mean, there weren't that many takes at all, but <laughs> but none of them were the same. So, and you know, an actor might in the moment decide to do something different, and they had to be good with that because there was no. It was not scripted as such. Um, so we the difference with with this 
initially is that I, there was a short film that was made before, um, which I wasn't a part of. And um, so it, it was a great proof of concept for going out and raising finance and, and getting the feature made. Um, I was speaking to somebody yesterday and I was actually, it was really interesting. I was saying, you know, actually, initially when I was having conversations, a lot of people didn't, didn't really understand it. They were like, well, why would you, why would you make that? Or I don't get it. Those people had never worked in a restaurant before. Indeed. Um, <laughs> yes. And actually it's, it's so interesting. The conversations it's, it's, it's opened up, which is exactly what we wanted from it as well. Was that sort of what drew you to the material or was there something about it where you were like, did you have hospitality background? Like what allowed you to read the outline or understand it and be like, this is something that I can put weight behind. This is a story that I'm yeah, interested well, in. Well, I mean, I think most of us have had hospitality background if we've, if we've been an actor, certainly. <laughs> I worked at the Actors Centre sort of bar and green room for, you know, a long time and um, loads and well, loads of hospitality jobs I've done over the years. Uh, I actually love it because I love talking to people. You can probably tell. Um, I love meeting new people and stuff. So, um, but I think for me, I, I'm very passionate about telling stories that have a social, that, well, an impact on society, um, socially conscious um, pieces. And Boiling Point was that. And, it, and you know, Philip Barantini, he worked as a, as a chef for many years um, to help support his acting, actually, which is how he got into it all. And the stories that he tells through this film are things that he saw. So people can say, oh, this doesn't happen. Oh, it's not like that. But it is. And it still does happen. You can feel that. You can feel that he's capturing things with knowingness. And like there was this amazing moment where, I mean, there was... I. I could bang on a thousand moments, but I remember there was this one and, and they were doing a briefing right before service. And one of the employees of the restaurant, I think the porter was like, just by the way, he is late every single day. And the manager was basically like, not now, bitch. At that moment, I was like, they have got this so right. Like the tone, the urgency, the dynamics, like I basically just like stress sweated for the rest of the film. And it was so, but in such a good way, like it's such a credit, I think, to getting the tone right and the pace of service right. And it's his vision, I imagine, as a director, his experience as a director to understand yes. what that rhythm is and to capture oh, it. And it was you. so and I think yes, I think that was what, uh, what really lent itself to that was the one shot, actually, um, because it kept the momentum going. And um, I was discussing this with Bart yesterday and we were saying about, I think, you know, when, when we looked at other one shot films and what, what was it that maybe let that bit down or what was it? And we had to make sure that the energy was up the whole way, but that, but that is what it's like. And, and, and Phil would say himself, you don't start service and have a little break halfway through. It's like the moment those doors are open, it's like, until the end and then you're like thank goodness I can have a drink mm -hmm. you know and that's I think that you know I know of a couple of people who are chefs now and and have themselves been through a hectic time with um drinking and you know, alcohol abuse or drugs or whatever and to, to get them through such a difficult such a such a pressurized environment um so I personally could could relate I mean not me in that sense but I knew of people, so I could relate to it in that sense as well. And um, and as I say, I'm really, I'm really passionate about seeing change, 
and I knew that this would bring change. I knew it would open conversations and, um, and which is, you know, what all of us who are in the, in the sort of the core team really know was important, was important to do. It was really, I think it rubs up against the ideas around mm-hmm. representation and that if you have more representation then bad representation mm-hmm. doesn't matter as much. And in terms of, I think any, and I use the word that the government loved is unskilled worker. Anyone who's in the position of a quote unquote unskilled worker, the more that we see real stories about those mm-hmm. jobs, the more that we understand them yeah. and the more that we value them. And there's something vital about that, particularly in this moment when there is so much pressure on the industry. And this is a conversation I had with my boss because she used to, was a head chef for many, many years. And she kind of had the feeling of like, I feel stressed out that this movie is coming out when we're having this recruiting crisis. And are people going to want to come and join the industry if this is what it is or if this is what it looks like, she said. And I was like, no, no, no. I was like, this is what it is. And once we can see it, like a mirror reflecting back to us, that helps us make the changes that need to get made. And there are people in the industry doing it right and restaurants doing it right. And it's there are good environments. But I think that having something to point at and be like, no, no, you see it now because you don't see it when you're in it necessarily. But it's like, oh, I can point to something and I have a point of reference now. And now I can identify why this is bad and how it I can't. I can't tell you it. how many people have reached out to me. So I run the Instagram as well. And I so Mm. many people have reached out to me and just said I mean there was one specific guy that I you know definitely stayed with me and he he said to me first of all thank you for making this and then he said when I watched it it was like my life literally unfolding on the big screen right before my eyes and he said I in the moment watching it he said I, I I I smiled at the good times and I wept for the bad and the t- and he said I literally did that as I watched it I wept for all the time that the time that I struggled through and there are so many people that have reached out and said those kind of things it's unreal and people who have said it's it was the reason I've now left my job because I was in such it was such a um a difficult you know workplace that I was in or I decided to put my family first or whatever but at the same time there are other people and as you say I think it just it will just highlight what is going right and what is going wrong you're absolutely right and I think now even for me and anyone loads of people watching that watching it they now say we go into a restaurant and we appreciate so much more what people do for you in a restaurant everyone from front of house to the person taking the booking to you know every single chef sous chef every single member of the team and also what was very very interesting and I think has been a quite an extraordinary experience for me as a producer is to see how a team of people work together and has become the most beautiful ensemble of friends now and you see how obviously in a working environment like that you have to have each other's backs and in a one-shot film you have to have each other's backs there's really a sense of family when you're working on a show or when you're in a cast or any kind of creative process and you bond with those people so intensely and it's the same thing that exists in a restaurant and I think for similar reasons they tend to be quite stressful there's a bit of a scarcity logic everybody needs to be in the room for whatever reason and it really does bond people and I'm wondering if having sort of dove in so hard to the hospitality industry can you see parallels between hierarchies that are a bit dangerous or exploitation or sort of negatives in 
the movie business or in the arts like are you able to draw parallels between those two jobs just in 100 i and that's one thing that i have made a very conscious decision and not not decision to make i think it's so important to create for me as a producer i'm technically the one that kind of runs the ship with my part with my producing partner so if we set the atmosphere the rest must must follow so i am very passionate about leading by example i won't have someone who's causing chaos but at the same time i will be the ones doing the bins and you know someone say to me oh hess don't let, let let the runner do it no 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 if the runner can see hester do it then the runner says great she can do it i can do it and anyone can do it if i'm going around picking up the litter great because it means other people will go oh the producer's picking up the litter oh i should pick up my litter it gives people sort of permission yes. to be more generous, I think, or yeah. more aware. And I mean, the best leadership I've ever experienced in restaurants, in the arts, no matter the environment, are people that never ask you to do anything that they haven't done in the past, they won't do in the future, yeah. and they won't help you with now. And if that is sort of the lens with which you're taking on leadership, I think that is vital. And I've seen kitchens fall apart when that doesn't happen. And I mean, you see it a bit in the film also. I actually want to ask a bit about the one take in moments when they move into the back of house. Is that a moment where the actors in the front of house can like chill, relax, calm down for a bit, get ready. Hey, for well, yeah, we've actually made a behind the scenes documentary. It's really, really interesting to watch because exactly that someone asked the other day, they're like, so does everyone just stay in character? And cause obviously you don't know when the camera's coming back. Well, you do know when the camera's coming back because you've kind of rehearsed it. Although we didn't have much rehearsal. We had like four and a half days with everybody, which is cool. Um, when the camera goes, say when the camera goes outside, for example, everyone inside is like, oh, what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next, you know, quick, 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 what happens, where do I go now, where do I go now, what do I say? And so, uh, Vinette Robinson, who's uh, brilliant, she plays Carly the teacher. Oh, she I was know. phenomenal. One of Biffa for so it good. as well, so deserved. She's amazing, I love her, she's brilliant. Um, I really hope lots of, you know, lots more jobs come up for her through, through from this because she really deserves it. But yeah, so she had like this thing on uh, a Bible, she called it, in the fridge underneath the counter. So every time the camera would swerve away from them, you know, the, the other chefs would all oh, get round and be like, wait, wait, quick, 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 wait, wait, have a look, have a look. She'd be like, okay, you're there, you're there, you know. Um, but everybody had each other's back. And it really lends itself yes. to the intensity of a service. That sense of being like, oh my yes. God, gripped with panic. What's going to come next? Yeah. Coming next? Like, incredible um in terms of the casting i mean it's also interesting because you come at it from the perspective yeah. of being an actor yourself um but how important was it that and i mean obviously and to your point loads of people would have hospitality experience i imagine a wee bit less in kitchens for the actors and a little bit more on the floor but was that important to you to have that background like was that part there were so many elements to getting the cast right so many elements so many things that we had to put in place to make sure that it was gonna it was gonna be good or hopefully good um so, first of all starting with casting so so phil basically working in kitchens he's like often your head chef or most of the time your head chef would choose who he works with in the kitchen who his team is so he felt it was really important that stephen graham had a say in who worked in his kitchen so we talked about that. We talked very much about that. Um, Ray Panthaki, Malachi Kirby, uh, who I knew both of them, 
we had asked those guys to be in it and it's amazing actually that we managed to get actors who are usually leads to play much smaller roles I mean Malachi's role is really t- tiny in it but to, to to get someone of Malachi's quality is in a film to play such a small role is incredible and I'm so grateful to Malachi and Ray for, for stepping in like that I think when you face somebody with something that they're going to be able going to be challenged by something like what you gave to them was so creative and demanded mm. something so unique Absolutely. and I mean most of the actors I know will yeah. always rise to that over exactly. doing something where they get yeah. more light because totally. it feeds something else you know but no yeah so then keep going so so we had those guys put in place and then Stephen had worked with a lot a lot of the actors from um the north waters it was another show he did a tv show so he got some of those guys involved and then for the um slightly smaller roles carolyn mcleod was our casting director who also won a biffa and was nominated for a bafta bless her she's awesome um so she and um the the team worked to we didn't have a script but she put out a brief Mm -hmm. to the actors to across uh, everywhere <laughs> to ask actors to tape and in their tape what they were asked to do was make a cup of tea boil a kettle make a cup of tea tell us a story at the same time and you'd be surprised how many people could not do that um it's I mean I'm not even sure I could do it because I get distracted it's like when you pat your head and straight you know with your stomach at the same time or whatever you go around and it's like doing that tea thing's like wait what and some people just couldn't do it. So we were like, well, they're never going to be able to improvise on set if they can't just. That is such a smart way to narrow it out because the instructions with their bodies is really clear. Like that's directed to all intents and purposes. Their bodies are quite scripted. They're having to chop something. It's they're quite having hard, to move stuff. Yeah? Like, so it's, oh my gosh, so hard. To, and to be able to be, to do something that's learned yeah. or memorized with your body yes. and improvise with your brain. Yes, exactly. Like... And some people would just sort of stand there and they just stir the cup for about half an hour. And you're like, no, no, we know you've stirred the sugar in, but do you do, you do anything <laughs> else in this tea? Or they might forget to put the water in or something like that. <laughs> but the story is great. Um, and then from there we whittled it down and we got them in the room. We had recalls. Um, and then we had a, a, a an actor called Robbie O'Neill who was actually in the film as well. Um, he played a lot of the parts in the in the recalls. So he would come in playing Stephen's role, for example, um, and start laying into one of the uh, the actors. And some people just couldn't, because they didn't know what was coming, because it was improvisation. So Robbie would just like throw things at them. And some people would cope with it, some people wouldn't. And again, that was like, well, they're not going to cope. So they'd be like, oh, no, no, sorry, 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 sorry. Can I start again and do it again? No, unfortunately. I mean, you can, and they would be great the second time round, but they know it's coming. So because Stephen really, he's the most wonderful, wonderful actor. He's so in the moment, so spontaneous, so genuine and real and emotive. And he's a phenomenal actor. And he, he's, he's so in the moment, he's not going to do the same thing twice. Um, so yeah, it was very, very important to get the right people around him. And some people just shone the moment we saw them the first off. We were like, this guy is amazing. So Tommy Coombs, who played the um, environmental health officer, just smashed it, smashed it from the off. He was brilliant. It was so, he was so oh, yeah. good that it was triggering. Yeah. You know? I had a message today actually from my friend Chris. He's like, hey, so today we had the EHO come in. <laughs> he was like, I just couldn't stop thinking about your film Boiling Point and it was stressing me out. I was like, oh dude, how did you do? Did you get on the right? <laughs> and what did you get? Do you remember? Actually. I'm not sure. 
No, I don't, he. Uh, well, I'll cross my so finger for a funny, solid yeah, five. I know. It is just that, and it's like at that moment he must have been like, "Wow, they really yeah. got that right. That is this. See if he did that is totally that. this." Now I need to ask him. Oh wait, uh, yes, got the five star rating. Boom, boom, there it is. Yay! Yeah, boy, um, fantastic. <laughs> happy days for him um i also i'm curious if at the beginning of the shoot like understanding that you were i mean you would have been limited and even in terms of the space although were you shooting in lockdown oh was well it- this again added to the intensity so we were supposed to do four days of filming we were meant to do two shot at uh, two takes every night for four nights so we were meant to do eight but covid was literally creeping up our behind <laughs> snapping at our heels and we didn't know what it was because we'd been in this bubble for so long so we you know we had loads of food on set we had everything was great and we just kept hearing these things so Bart would come up to me you're like the stadium stadiums have been shut down concerts have been shut down and then it would get smaller churches have gone you know like things have got everything's just we were like what and we were one of the only in fact I think we were the only film running that we knew of in the UK, certainly in the UK. But we just heard all the time, they were like, that shut down, that shut down, that shut, that one's closed, that one's closed. Um, so we are so fortunate because, but we, in the end, so we were doing a evening shoot and then a night, pretty much a night shoot, but obviously it was only an hour, but you had to have a break. You had your late dinner and then you had to reset everything and go again. So on the Monday night, we just, it was it was just it was more of a rehearsal really because they just literally forgotten everything and then I think the second take we did uh, the camera card jammed or something. Um, so day two was Tuesday and this was literally the week before lockdown. Um, and we had had a discussion at about three in the morning, two three in the morning, whatever it was, to say we are losing people like flies. So we lost half half of our our key camera team we lost people from our key camera team we lost our DIT um we lost our stills photographer in fact I was running up the road because he was in he was sick with some of his crew in a Airbnb so I was like legging it up there to take care packages legging it back to set then I had to go and get cameras because I had to go and use his camera to do behind the scenes stuff so I was like I'll just film it whatever I'll just you know learn on the job <laughs> We had to get new people. We we lost like our S our supporting artists, our extras were just walking off walking off set, just like not coming back. Really scared. No, because literally course, no one knew yeah. what this thing was. And then we were like, oh, we should be wearing yeah. masks and gloves. What? What are you talking about, masks and gloves? Half the people didn't understand why. Um, we had to replace one actor three times, one character, three different actresses. Um so it just got crazy in the end. And this is like when you're oh, right at my shooting. Goodness. Like... And every day we were like, we've got to replace as fast as we <laughs> as we as we lost. And so we had to make a decision. This is it. We we we're gonna do Tuesday and that's it. So we literally only had two takes to choose from. And yeah. Which adds to the intensity. <laughs> I mean, massively, it's also it's extraordinary how much you got what you needed and it is such a testament to those Mm. actors and what you guys built from the top that I that is so stressful and the worst thing was there was nothing we could do once they'd started we were like in the video village just behind a fake wall going dead silent because the camera was like just the other side of this fake wall we're like oh my goodness oh my goodness oh my goodness oh my goodness 
come on and you're just like willing them to get willing them to get it right even yeah come on around the corner okay now he's gotta go yes yes that bit was good yes that bit was good okay that was good okay and you just gotta hope that they're just gonna keep but the energy was it was really high you know we had um eminem pumping out before the before we shot and it and everyone was just like larging it in in the restaurant before we did the take and stuff um and we just had you know some great steam gave a great pep talk to everyone phil and 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 it was it was it was so incredible to be a part of it and so we yeah as i say we we didn't actually tell people that we were gonna shut it down so we only told a handful we told steven we told phil we told Mm -hmm. gosh i don't even think we told the cameraman i i I don't i don't remember who else if you had it would it change the quality i'm sure I'm sure it's so interesting that idea that when you were acting you I mean you have so little control as an actor you go Mm. into a production role and it's like okay I have control over this I can make things better for people I can like say Mm. yes and say no Mm -hmm. and that feels so great and empowering and then to be faced with something where all of a sudden you're back in that position of oh my god there's nothing I can do it's bad and there's something I can do and all of those you're like in this role that will never happen again and this will never happen again and then you're faced with it and to feel that from a different place or a different perspective must have been very odd yeah is there a moment that you remember thinking oh we fucking bagged this like i mean oh wow well look when that first take was finished or technically it was our third but it was our first one we could potentially use i said to but i was like that's the one Actually, Stephen said before the first take, he's like, this is going to be the one. <laughs> he's a ledge. Um, and we just knew. Then after the second take of the night, I think people were a little bit more tired because they've just given all their energy into the first one. Technically, interestingly enough, the fourth take was bang on. Technically, it was better technically than the third take. But it came down to, and this will always be the case with any film, it comes down to performance. No one's going to go watch a film because it's technically good and this bit didn't go out of focus or whatever. No, no one cares. They're going to see the actors smash it out of the park. And that's what we had to go with. In what ways would the second one have been technically uh, So stronger? there were a couple of things that went wrong in the first one. So we forgot to put the fire, uh, you had these like fire, what are those electric fire things outside the door? Oh, like yeah, a, but they're like, like, like a, massive. Yeah, those things. Look, they they yeah. weren't on in the first take. So when you watch it, you'll be like, oh no, they weren't on. Obviously, in the second take, oh, it looks far more fancy and much more beautiful. Whatever. I mean, to be fair, I think we'd all know it'd be more realistic yeah. if the heaters weren't yeah. working. <laughs> so in a way, uh, we had. There's a moment where one of the actresses comes in, and the camera slightly goes out of focus we all noticed it we were like no uh and there's nothing you can do about it it's a one take so one shot so that's it it didn't happen in the second take so having like had that process of doing one take is that something that you'd be eager to revisit is it a way that you are interested in making films it's interesting how many people have come to me and said oh i've made this one shot film now Or, or or i've written this uh you know one shot film i'm like cool that's awesome that's really awesome that it's inspired people i love that I think it has to be very specific to work. I think that you've got to have mm-hmm. a film that keeps that energy up. Otherwise it will fall. It will just fall. Um, and I think there are obviously a few films, you know, 1917, which is looks like a one shot, but is 
I think I think we were talking to the DOP and it's about the I think each take is about seven minutes long throughout the whole film and then they have a cut a, a sort of a secret cut and the same with um, a friend of mine just done a film called One Shot actually James Nunn uh, directed it and Ben Jakes produced it so that again is this sort of stitched together to make it look like one shot so I think for us oh gosh it was a very different way of doing doing it um I would do it again I would definitely do it again and I think it keeps that spontaneity which I love and I love improvisation I as an actor I love improvisation throw anything at me I'll give it a bat, bat it back to me if I can um but yeah you I think it it's interesting it, it can get tiring it can be tiring to watch mm-hmm. so you've got to be very careful if you if you choose to do something like that you've got to make you've got to have moments of re- relief as well so i mean jason fleming and lords um they were they played the couple uh, well the couple at the table the celebrity chef and the critic and they were just hilarious. i mean i love the two of them together crack up they are they you know they're great mates off screen as well and they oh they really get on so it was it was lovely to see that and that's what you need so you need to have those little moments yeah there's all these shifts in relationships and I'm trying to remember the name of the one shot that it was so so big so different it was like absolutely mad they're doing a play Edward Norton is in it what is the name of oh Birdman yeah again that's stitched together but I remember watching that and wondering if it was less fantastic would it yes. still function? So if you take out the elements of the things that were more like kind yes, of like yeah, kooky yeah. or like surprising or all these sort of mm. like visual elements and the sort of like bits of fantasy that were really, really stitched in, I was like, if you remove those, does this, I don't think this works mm-hmm. better as a story because I haven't mm. seen those, yeah. that break. And I think something that Boiling Point did so well is that after I watched it, I was like, this story couldn't have been told better in any other, this was the best way to tell no, this story. No, you're right. And I think a lot of, well, first of all, a lot of people didn't believe that it was one take. They're like, no, no, no. Where I was looking, you know, one guy messaged me, he's like, I know I'm still looking for the, for the cuts. I'm like, but you won't find them. They're like, no, I will. I was like, you won't. I can promise you. <laughs> I can absolutely 100% guarantee to you that it was not more than one, one shot. Um, so <laughs> it makes me laugh. I'm like, yeah, keep looking, keep hunting. You do that. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy your life. Sounds really fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah terrible, fun. actually. Um, this is a question that came from a friend of mine who's a chef. He wants to know about oh, yeah. the cooking and plating yeah. of food. I can. can you talk so about that? we had the we well, two things actually. First of all, we had to send the act some of the actors to chef school. So we sent them off to go and learn how to cook um, or chop at least. And, the, you know, the actors learn, learn a lot of the cooking skills. So even Stephen had a chef come around and help him. The Ray, got to, Ray got to work with meat because he was the meat chef. They learned how to chop. They learned how to do all the, all the bits and pieces. And there, there was a team of people who were behind the scenes making all of the food and hiding it in cupboards and bringing it out when it needed to be served to the restaurant. So it was very, very carefully and cleverly done behind the scenes that you just, you don't see really. 
was that sort of trial and error? Or did somebody have a vision for well, like, we this knew is how this is when work? plate needed to be ready, and so all I mean, I've got I've got behind the scenes footage of of like literally watching all of these amazing chefs just just working their magic and just putting plating all this food up, and it was it was a masterpiece. There are so many elements of this film that you just don't see, and you forget. So you even you even forget that all of the timed uh, timings rather of when the punters come on to come into the restaurant. And so they, they were all, if you think about it, they were all queuing up outside, ready to go, okay, you go in. Okay, now you're going in. You know, I can't that. Ready to go in? Yep, you go in. So you've got someone outside as third AD sort of telling them when to, to bring the next tranche of people in so that every time the camera came back, it was a bit more busy. Um, and then some people had then got plates on their tables and various things like that, uh, and or, or wine had been poured for somebody. So there was a lot of choreography that went into it. I mean, it's the pressure of doing it in one shot makes you really tight on that. But I yeah. remember watching for things and being like, they've done that. They've cleared them. Like, yeah. now they have a bill. Like, it was so, so on. And it was Actually, such one a of our, One way. of our um, ADs, she was disguised, in a sense, as one of the waitresses. So she really knew what was going on. She knew what needed to happen. She was brilliant. And she worked. She was there in all of the rehearsals. So she knew exactly where things needed to go. And she there she is dressed as a waitress. And so she knows that this has got to go to this table and that's got to be moved over there. So even, even the waitresses, for example, we, we, they did a session, or a, I think a couple of um, sessions in Jones and Sons with uh, wh where we shot the film. So we actually got them, we hooked them up there and they did, they did service a couple of times, I think. So they really got to learn on the job. Billy, Billy the barman, who's played by Taz Schuyler, he actually went and did a mixology course himself so he knew how to throw the drinks up in the air and all that sort of stuff. so there was a lot that went into it beforehand but that was the thing with this film it was the preparation to get it absolutely bang on from when we when we shot it using jones and sons as a space did you select that because of your capacity to shoot what you needed or was that sort of what you had and then you worked backwards in terms of yeah that we worked backwards building? so we for the short film they actually did it in a a place up up north which had a much bigger kitchen so if you've seen the short I don't know if you've seen it but it's the there's a lot more action in the kitchen and then they go they briefly mm -hmm. go into the restaurant and things like that um but in this the kitchen was very small and obviously it's got an open kitchen at the front we made it work with the restaurant that we had and don't and Andy Jones who's the also the lead character's name Andy Jones is a real person. He runs Jones and Sons and he's a, a, a top guy. He was very, very um, generous and they also did all the catering for us as well. So he was, which was fabulous. And we took over the whole restaurant, basically. we They took no bookings. They closed the restaurant for a short period of time and then we just took it over. So it became our home. We did all our production, meet, you know, production meetings there and all. In fact, we even did the auditions there. So they were really engrossed and sort of part of the of the restaurant from 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 day one or from the off it's also interesting how it could have felt like an entirely different film if yeah. that environment had been different like if you'd picked even if you'd filmed in a bigger kitchen where it's more and i think it's truer to london that so much of the cooking was happening in the house because that you see that here all the time tiny kitchens prepping in the basement or in the back and then having most of the cooking happening yeah. in front of the people dining so it and, felt much truer. and you talked about um atmosphere and i think that was one thing we were very conscious of so in advance of the filming i made sure 
that say the paramedics that, that are in it, that they had met up beforehand, that they talked mm-hmm. to a paramedic. So a friend of mine, Catherine, is a, was a paramedic um, and they had long discussions with her about what they needed to do and what would happen if someone had a, you know, a reaction to something. Um, and then the family, for example, we, they, they met up beforehand or they all, they were all on WhatsApp groups, the group of American girls, they were all in a WhatsApp mm. group and hung out, went out together. Oh, they they're were great. Hey, yeah, really good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think there's also something really beautiful that happens when you give people some power or some, not even power is the wrong word, but when there's some ownership over the performance and that idea of like, we're just going to, you go talk to them. You go learn what a paramedic does when they, when they paramedic, when they are doing the life-saving and you bring that to us. We're trusting you to bring that piece of the puzzle. And that investment from an actor, I think brings out such good performances. Real. real. It's like, yeah, really, really real. And there is that emotional ownership over what you're doing and it, brings up something beautiful and it's also just really the Mm. opposite of boring and you can feel Mm. that in the performances like it's I think a profoundly it's funny like Phil always makes takes takes the mickey out of me he's like are you watching it again because I you know because obviously we'll do often we'll do a screening (laughs) or something in the Q&A or whatever it is and that and and most people will Mm. just buzz in introduce the film leave and then come back right at the end I'm like I think I'll just watch it and he's like are you are you kidding me are you watching it again what is wrong with you I'm like but every time I watch it I I sometimes I watch it from a different perspective like a different character's perspective it's and I'm like oh wow they're so good I can't believe how good they are because and then I get and then I and then the next time I might watch it from someone else's point of view and go Oh, I love that he just did. And I just appreciate everyone's involvement so much. It was such a team effort. It was such a, a beautiful ensemble. And we we are all still very, very close. And we have this big WhatsApp group and we all look out for one another on that. And, you know, it, it, yeah, there was something incredibly special about it. So um, I still thank God that I was even a part of it if I'm honest, all the time. I'm like, this was my debut feature. What the heck? I got to do that for my debut. It's that, you know, that's crazy. Such a blessing, it's a real man. blessing. Like that is yeah, such a blessing. It also, I think there's something really beautiful about, and I mean, you've touched on this and I think it's something that probably makes you incredibly valuable to work with is that sense of like looking mm. back down the ladder. And so you're going to work with people and they're going to be able to say the same thing and they're going to be new in different projects, but they're going to be like, Oh my God, I can't believe this is my future. Yeah. And you're going to be able to provide that for them in the same way that your director yeah. and your co-producer, they provided those things for you. And there's something really beautiful about yeah. making art that way, I think. And, you know, running restaurants for there's that matter. There's such a responsibility you know? as, a film, as filmmakers, or certainly as a producer, this massive responsibility to make sure, and certainly on a set where there's, there were a lot of young actors on that set and there is Mm -hmm. a lot of things that could go wrong really at any point could go wrong so we have to make sure that everyone feels so secure in themselves in what they're doing in what they're bringing in their characters and there's a you know actors have a lot of insecurity and it's really important that they feel totally supported and um that was that was something I am I am big on um, because I I get it as you said like I'm I'm an actor as well I get it I get it I get what it's like it can be really daunting going on a set with with other actors who are 
seasoned pros and you might have done one film, no films, one episode on a TV thing or nothing. And we, we had a long, you know, a lot of great people in there, but we just needed to make sure that that environment was really secure for everyone. So I was very, very conscious of looking out and seeing, is there anyone here that doesn't, that looks like, I'm like that anyway, but I just want to make sure that everyone feels totally supported and then then they, then they can do their best work. That's when they can do their best work. Mm. I mean, it's yeah. totally mutually yeah. beneficial. And we talk about that in terms of well-being yeah. in the workplace all the time. Where I'm like, if the people that are working under yes. you feel valued and like they yeah. can bring themselves and they can like be off the, like all of that stuff, you are going to do, you could be making the best food mm. on the planet and it won't matter yeah. if everyone who works here is miserable. It just won't. And the same goes as production. Like there is actually one mm. moment I wanted to ask you just, we are a mental health charity. And I think one moment that I we talked about a lot was the moment between the pastry chef and her, I don't know what the word is, assistant mm. pastry chef. I'll ask Tubiano to fact check on my, my <laughs> chef vocabulary. Um, but so there was that moment was so powerful and so, I mean, it felt so true and touched on something really important and at the same time amplified how taken care of you can be in that environment, but also how little space there is for being open about your problems, basically. And I suppose that's thematic for a lot of the characters, but it felt so acute in that particular moment. And I'm wondering about how much, how conscious you were of the way that that got portrayed, or if you allowed those actors to just bring themselves and their characters to that process and allowed that sort of to unfold. It's it's a moment in the film that gets everyone always, actually. And I think that's the way Hannah Walters who is actually Stephen Graham's other half. She's a she's a brilliant actress. She's brilliant. And she she does not have enough credit. She needs to be doing way more than she's doing. And and I think it was the way she the way she played it with opposite Stephen McMillan was just brilliant. It was the way she was like pulling herself together afterwards as well. It was so powerful. And she was holding all of her yeah worry her love her all of that you could feel it right under her skin and the way that she sort of held it back and then just like released these tiny moments when she's like you know she goes back to doing the uh, you know the pastry on the thing and then she's like no I'm gonna go hug him oh she's amazing Mm -hmm. she's brilliant It, it, Mm -hmm. it was it's it's really a very poignant poignant moment in the film and everybody talks about it you know there are lots of things that we wanted to address and it does, I think it, you know, talk, there's racism, there's, as you say, mental health, there's abuse, substance abuse, there's various, all sorts of different things. It was, a, we, it, it's such a tender moment. It's, it's so important to get that right and not overplay something, not underplay something because it's so important. Um, and interestingly, I have been working for many years in a school and there is a problem in schools. Uh, that I've I know of 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 kids who are self-harming and it is a real problem and it's since lockdown it's got much much worse and it's become a thing that people do and they they feed off each other with various um and it's 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 incredibly heartbreaking I've had to my I've personally had to clean up um the arms of girls who who have done that and it's 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 um it really affected me actually a, a lot 
having to do that and having to put on a really brave face as I'm just like, hey, you know, you're beautiful. You matter. You're worth you're worth it. I think when you have also got personal experience in that as well, you have to get it right. You have to get it as best as mm-hmm. you can, as best as you can. And I think they I think they were brilliant in it. Well, I mean, mental illness, like we see it all the time, gets completely aggravated without structure. That exacerbates so much. And it's no doubt. And I think that it's now more than ever, like that, what a trite phrase, but like so necessary that we get the support. And even like we train people in hospitality and mental health first aid so that they can be like the first point of call in a crisis yeah. in their work environment. And the amount of restaurants that we wouldn't have heard from two years ago and now they're like we need this training I, I, and we need you it know today. i've done a lot i've researched your your um organization and stuff and, and i just think what you do is absolutely amazing i'm so grateful to people like you because we need more people like you we need to there's not enough support and and i'm so sorry that you know kelly had to go through all of that and and you know but but how amazing that the good that's come out I'm really grateful for the work you're doing also. And it's all part of that picture. And I think having conversations like this and making films like this and putting mm. our labor and our love into other people's care, that makes me feel yeah. better about being alive. It's the only way. I think it's the only way to be alive. And whether that you're working in a restaurant or you're working for a foundation or you're making films, whatever you wake up and do every day, if that yeah. can be the focus that you drive through, like then that's a that's a well-lived life that's a yeah it's a gift like yeah that was really beautiful what you just said then that was really powerful I I we're doing our next film um has a real message of hope in it as well so we're doing we start filming in a few few months couple of months and the initial script didn't and then it changed and there was like okay this is what needs to happen it needs to have that message of hope at the end of it and it's really about a young kid who's trying to get out of a he, he's in a gang a moped gang and he's trying to get out of a cycle of crime that he's got stuck in and it's easier to stay in it than to get out of it and in the end and he's super talented he's really bright you know and he's in this position where he's like looking after his kid sister and and he can't get out and then you see that the way out because everything goes kind of wrong and he sees this way out and it's and it's an amazing ending where it's such a sort of it leaves you with such hope that you you don't have to stay in your circumstances you can get out and you need just you know just it's about talking to people and and being strong enough and brave enough to do that so yeah um I remember I mean this is now years and I mean I was probably 20 when I saw this play but there's a Canadian it's like a puppeteer but he makes really like weird experimental theater that's neither here nor there his name's Ronnie Burkett and yeah, I mean, his stuff's amazing. If he, you ever, he tours in Europe quite often. If you ever see Ronnie Burkett, go and see his stuff. It's brilliant. But he did this show and you think everyone's died yeah. in the show. And then there's this flip where he's like, <laughs> no, they lived. And there was this Q&A after and this woman was like, I'm really curious. Like, I was like, you know, really into this tragedy. And then like nothing bad happened. And like, can you like, yeah. why did you make that choice? He had gone to see a play and he was like, I was sitting next to the people that you Mm. want to sit next to at the theater because they weren't involved in theater at all, but they obviously loved it and they went all the time. And he's like, that's who I want to make work for. And I was sitting next to them and it was like Carol Churchill or somewhere where there's like a lot of like menstruation and like murder. You know what I mean? Like this heavy, a bit heavy. And I mean, no shade, Carol Churchill. I like your stuff. There's space for it. But so there's 
you know, it obviously ends and it's horrible because it's one of those plays. And the wife just looks at her husband and goes, Jesus, why did we have to go through that? And he was like, I was sitting there and I was sitting next to these people and she's literally been put through something. And he's like, I just realized that my work doesn't always have to put somebody through something that it can do that, but there can be something. And it was still a sad play, but he's like, there can be relief. I can give the audience relief and it doesn't make work less valuable. And I've thought about that so often since then. And I think it's such a good thing. Mm. And it's a balance. Although I did enjoy the ending of him just passing out and potentially dying (laughs) on the floor. Don't get me wrong. That was also a good place to live. But it's balance. And it's not being afraid to like live in those. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people have said, does does he die? Is he dead? Like, wow, what do you think? What do you want to? What do you think? It doesn't have to be the official word. What do I think? Yeah. Um, you don't have to say for me gosh should I say this I mean you can say it and then if you want me to take it out I can take it out I think so for me he has a massive heart attack and I would say yes he does but so the sounds that we we you know this is a big discussion and stuff like this when we were, <laughs> we were doing we we're making it does he die does he not does he do we leave it ambiguous like what 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 do we do um but the noises that you heard of the kind of that horrible i don't know if you've ever been around someone who's dying it's not nice but there's a as a it's, it's called the death rattle yeah and i when i remember watching it in the screening room the first time i seen it all the way through and hearing that ADR that had been put up on top and I it made me cry because I was there when my dad died and it was oh it was triggering it was actually triggering and I heard it quite loud maybe it's not quite as loud if you hear it otherwise I don't know I'm not sure if people really kind of worked it out but when for that day I was sat in this screening room it was like me Bart Phil the director and you know the technicians and I was like and it literally caused me to cry I was like flip that noise uh, so I think he does. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if that's yeah, it, yeah, there's a yeah, point yeah. point two, we'll see. <laughs> he comes back again and he suddenly mm-hmm, gets what? No, mm-hmm. I, think, I think he does. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, anyway, he's, it does, it hurt. Like yeah. people do die. And I think that, I mean, there was some debate over that, like in that feeling of, uh, I wanted to yeah. see them finish the service. Like I wanted to see mm-hmm. them clean down the kitchen and like, have it all but I mean that's a really fucking long movie like they were in their first meeting of the night you know and I was like I don't have time for that like what is this Lord of the Rings so I get that from a logistical perspective and then there's also um I think the reality that it was that he's dead or potentially dead and if not like bad shape I think that that's important because that that really can happen and like yes we all know people who have you know gone really hard worked 80 hours a week for a decade push 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 and they're fine kind of <laughs> but there's also people that don't that don't aren't able to do it and do pass away or lose you know things like hor- yeah, marriages yeah. houses children whatever and that's yeah and i think part of it even too. with um, substance abuse and things like that no one takes drugs thinking that that's gonna kill them no one sometimes your body just it would take, take all the fun, all the fun out. out. <laughs> uh, but I think sometimes bodies just go, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think I want that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, th- you know, and yeah, 
anyway, I think it, it, it was left slightly ambiguous, but in, yeah. Um. I'm just wary of the time. I'm going to ask you some quick, fi- I could honestly just talk to you for like the next three hours, but that would really dig into our nights. Um, I'm going to mm-hmm. ask you some quick fire questions. So just the first thing that comes to mind, you yeah, like, well, you're going to be great at this. Um, say that now. Yeah, yeah let's test that. Um, okay, if you could only go to one London restaurant for the rest of your life, what restaurant? That's quite hard. Is it my mom's table? <laughs> restaurant. No, that, oh, I love, that's a oh, great answer. Great. I, I love going home to eat my mom's meals. Home cook, just bog standard. Love, love her food. Wait, actually, I also like We Can Eat Sushi. That's I'll just throw that one as a... <laughs> Yeah, let's give him a shout out. Let's give him a shout out. Um, all right, what's your favorite dessert? Uh, apple pie or crumble with custard or cream and mm. and cream i'll take them both yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah and mm-hmm. um what's the most frustrating part of Everyone, british culture oh gosh people not speaking their mind just apologizing but not telling you what is actually going on i think that frustrates me more than anything just say what you think just stop flapping around and telling me stuff that's not true boris <laughs> <laughs> be honest crying out loud um what is your favorite view I in london to live just behind the royal festival hall so i had the most amazing year when i was 21 and um lived with my friend amy and we had this amazing penthouse at the age of 21 who the heck has that ever i know her, her folks were like hey you want to live with my daughter i was like yes can i stay in your amazing so yeah, so there's a view that looks all down the River Thames. It's so stunning. So you've got like the House of Parliament, the London Eye. I actually live not too far from there, but I don't live in a penthouse anymore, sadly. <laughs> yeah, it's hard when you hit it yeah. big time when you're 21. Oh, I then I went down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also just so fun to have friends yeah. with outrageous parents. I it know. really pays in spades. Oh, what is your favorite sauce? I love sauce? mayonnaise. Oh, it's fuck so yeah. Mayo delicious. I love just chips and mayo. Oh. Yeah, delish. Okay, what is your dream dinner guest? Dead well, or alive, doesn't matter. There's a scene in the film Heat with Al Pacino, Robert De Niro. I really want to be at that table. It's like, oh, please, please, can I just sit and just, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a perfect answer for a producer to bring. They're like, not a guest. I'm going to actually go back and have and insert myself in a fictional scene and i love that um okay do you want to plug anything that you've got coming up well we have so boiling point is out today actually uh which is the the 23rd so it's boiling is it 23rd yeah 23rd uh it is out on netflix today um which is very exciting so you can go and check it out on there and uh we have another film that we actually shot in lockdown which is much smaller film um called violent man with craig fairbrass stephen odebola who's from blue story uh, Jason Fleming and Ulrich Thompson, Zoe Tapper, amazing cast, and Philip Marantini actually is in it. So that's actually also just gone onto Netflix, which is cool. It's doing really well. It's number four on Netflix at the moment, which is very very good. So those two are out um, at the moment. You can go, you can go and watch. And then, then as I say, the next film is called Gassed Up, and it's going to be epic, epic. So we're working with. Uh, a studio on it and um and Stephen Odebola is actually going to be our lead in it again so we're super excited he's such a great young actor and he is uh, a talent to watch that's for sure 
good news all around. Um, I just want to thank you so much. And everyone go watch these films because we know that they're beautiful and they're brilliant and they're doing something really important. So thank you for taking the time. Thank and you so much, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you. Beyond the Past is produced by Kelly's Cause Foundation. For more information about Kelly's Cause, please head to kellyscause.com or find us on Instagram at kellyscause.